to the music of games, even if they don't even know it. I remember, especially when it comes to, like, racing games and stuff like that, I remember back in the day playing Test Drive 2, and just the, the intro of that music was, like, it, it got you into it, and, like, games like Burnout and stuff like that. Now, anyone that's used to a Forza series, I mean, they know that that is really great as far as, as the driving, the racing, the cars. I mean, I have a friend of mine that's into all of that, and he just loves collecting the cars, and he loves the realism of it. Um, but sometimes people don't understand what it takes to put together the music that they love so much. So that's why it's really great to, to talk to these two, not only compose for movies, television, video games. So we're happy to have Kaveh Cohen and Michael Nielsen with us today. I did get it right when I said the name, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's Kaveh, uh, yeah. Kaveh, awesome. Yeah, exactly. Hi, Jay. All right. Glad to be on the show. Thanks very much for having us. Cool, cool. Um, so... I was looking over all the work that you guys have done. I mean, that's impressive. I mean, seriously. Thanks. Thank um, you. you. I mean, working on so many things too, because it's like I like a lot of things that sometimes people think they'll go together. Like I love watching history stuff. So I did watch America, uh, the story of us. I loved that series. It was really cool how they went through, you know, from the very beginnings through the industrial times and all that. And then you've done things like Wolverine and the X Men. I love that you know, cartoon. It was really cool that, you know, a different take on the X-Men universe. And then, of course, video games. Um, how'd you guys just get started in the beginning? Because, I mean, obviously you have to have a tone for, for music to, to come up and do scores and be a composers. But how did you guys start out? You want to go ahead? Sure. <laughs> um, well, for me, it started, uh, you know, really early on at a young age. It was, you know, sort of traditional piano lessons and whatnot. Um but I soon sort of discovered that I was sort of able to write my own music. Uh, I was just sort of noodling around and creating my own little compositions and whatnot. And um, around that time when I was pretty young, um, I sort of discovered film music uh, through the movie E.T. I was really, really uh, moved and, you know, really like impacted by John Williams' score. And I think that was my first real exposure um, a to like film music, but and also like I said, I was you know starting to, uh, beginning to discover that I was able to write. So um, I think the love for this type of music started for me at a very early age, and I just kept on with the writing and you know started sort of uh, slowly getting into the electronic side of things, getting my first synthesizer, and you know like a few years later getting the first computer studio set up and it just kept growing and growing and uh just kept up but my love of film music has been uh constant since i was little i think that's that's what's uh driven me here so far and as for you Mike? yeah uh i um i don't know i think uh we i'm in my very early 40s so i think when i grew up like in the 80s and it was a really cool time where TV shows had orchestral scores and um, Williams was scoring these, like pioneering these amazing uh, uh, movies like the Star Wars uh, sagas and you had Alan Silvestri and, you know, every great movie had this incredible soundtrack attached to it. And then, like, even going down to the TV shows like uh, Robotech or, or uh, Thundercats or, or something like that or Voltron, it just had this brought you in right away uh with the, the themes and the music um so i mean that that's really where on a scoring side where i first took notice of, of uh that being a thing and a component 
to these shows and movies that I, I really like. Um, but um, I wanted to be in a, in a band and became a guitar player and um, band didn't really work out, but I really loved being in the studio and creating um, stuff in the studio and, and basically just being creative there. Um, so that's kind of where the, my world started to, to merge and um, just being able to expand the studio palette and um, then start to go back into the scores that uh, I, I loved as a kid. What was the, I guess, the, the point where you went from, you know, the training, the schooling to getting to what you've done? Because obviously with, you know, the high demand that you're in, you, you obviously have the skills. But at what point did that start to come in where you start to hit these projects and start to say, hey, we're actually making a lot of traction? Um, I, I think it was, they're, they're stepping stones. Uh, it wasn't like, um, really like either of us went to, uh, lived on a mountain with a composer and, and he taught <laughs> us everything. And then we came out and just landed this incredible gig. I think at every step of the way you get a, a project that you're, you work really hard to get. And once you, you're on board, uh, you're just like in a panic mode and like, Oh my God, how am I going to actually do this? And then you, you six, you succeed at it at uh, whatever level you can do. You know, if you're 20 years old or something, you just do your best. And then you keep hitting these stepping stones. And I, I still even feel like today, um, where I, my confidence is obviously much higher because, um, we have a, a nice body of work, but every new project, there's a, a little bit of like, Ooh, okay. I got to, really wrap my head around this. How am I going to uh, do this? Um, and, you know, every, and I like that feeling because it feels like I'm growing with every project and every project that comes up, uh, I'm, I feel like I'm getting better and better at it. Yeah. I mean, early on, um, you know, I think a lot of the cliches are true. It is perhaps who, you know, and being at the right place at the right time. Cause I know looking back for me personally, I started in um, TV shows and documentaries and animation and they all came from people that I had haphazardly met uh, that needed help with their projects. I, I was doing a lot of ghostwriting in television and, um, you know, uh, my first major projects all came as referrals from friends who had friends that were making these shows. So, you know, I think a lot of it is, is you know, relatively haphazard. You just happen to come across people who help you out and make a referral and hopefully you don't fall flat on your face. and. <laughs> You know, you get through it, and uh, now you've got one notch on your belt, and um, you hope for the next job. And obviously, you know, early on, the jobs are relatively few and far between. Um, but as you as you gain traction and, and build momentum, you know, people tend to find out about what you're doing, and and then they, the jobs just continue to come. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, the haphazard kind of randomness of it, Kaveh and I met at uh, working at a music store, which was completely random. That really neither of us, if on paper, should have been working at that store. Um, he was nowhere near where he lived. Um, I really just needed something to do for a minute. I just graduated college, and I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll be there. And the fact that we were there at the same time, and uh, at that same time, there was about four or five other brilliant musicians that worked in the same area. Uh, of the store and it was uh it was just this really incredible little uh moment of just several months um that was really formative for me and i think um 
then once we've actually formed a company, uh, actually many years later, uh, that's sort of when like the real traction started hitting and yeah. it, it really took off. We, we have a lot of synergy, both um, on a friend level and, and musically. And um, it, I think it filled in a, a lot of blanks and then quickly uh, I was getting a lot stronger as a composer. Um, and we, we just worked really well together uh, on a business level and, and creatively. What do you think uh, it takes for people like that don't uh, know? Because a lot of times what will happen is, it's, and I've seen this with like voice acting, you'll have someone else say, oh, I can make a voice, but they don't understand that you have to live in that character and then you have to be able to do all types of uh, pronunciations and you know give your emotion when you do the voice acting. And I've seen the same thing with people who you know are putting music together. You hear someone say, oh, well, Whatever I make videos with video games and I throw on a soundtrack or a, a, a sound that I you know a song that I like and it sounds cool. What's so hard about it? So for people who think like that, can you tell them what it takes, um, you know, to actually put that together, compose something that fits the 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 game, that fits the story, that fits the emotion that you're trying to convey? Well, I think it's um, I think it's a multi-tiered sensibility really because you know first and foremost, no matter what genre you're working in uh whether it be film or television advertising games whatever it is you have to be a composer first uh so when someone calls them, themselves a film composer sure that's true because they're spending their most most of their time probably working in film but the reality is it all starts with being a composer and that in itself i mean what you're doing is you're manifesting music out of nothing you're manifesting something out of completely out of nothing that has to that has to imbue a sense of emotionality it has to have a visceral response for the listener i mean it's got a big job to do when you listen to music it affects you in one way or another so with scoring i think what ends up happening is you're you're, you're taking the task of writing music you need it to stand on its own and at the same time, you need to be able to support whatever visual it is that you're working on. Again, no matter what genre it is. So if it's an action thing, you want to imbue the piece with a sense of action. If it's dramatic, if it's sad, all of any, any emotion, you have to somehow tie this, um, this fabric of the music and the emotionality of it together, which is a daunting task because the reality is that you don't always succeed. People might not respond to it the way that you perhaps as a composer felt about it personally so it is a multi-tiered um job there's really quite a lot that goes into it both technically in the creation of the music you want the music to be good you want it to be memorable you want it to be interesting you want it to stand alone you want it to work to picture you want it to not get in the way of the picture i mean there's so many different things that you're trying to achieve with one piece of music so I think it's a very um, complex uh, thing that we're talking about here. And I think um, it gets more complex when it's your job as a composer. And now you're working for producers and you have perhaps also you have a music supervisor, producers, uh, execs from several different places. Um, so I know we always are trying to maintain the integrity of the music, but where that it changes from being like, oh, I'm a, I, I write music to really being composer. You have to being, you have to be able to manipulate the music, um, 
almost like surfing, just carving and it, you, while still maintaining the, the integrity of the music because you'll get sometimes these crazy requirements of uh, wh whether it's timing or it has to flip emotionally or it was perfect and now it's changed so it still has to be perfect but you have to completely reconform it to some new picture that they decided to splice in. Um, and that's where I think the job as a composer really gets um, challenging is because you're not just serving the music. You're serving the music. You're serving uh, any number of masters. But at the end of the day, as the, the composer, you have to really uh, protect that uh, the musical core of that. Do you feel that sometimes um, with, with scores where people are listening to this, uh, you know, you have people that would uh, download or purchase from somewhere the, the music and they'll be like, oh, man, this is awesome. Like, I know people who have gotten, you know, old school tracks from like Final Fantasy. They've gotten uh, tracks from Halo, things like that. And they're like, oh, man, this is awesome. But then you have other people who, you know, they're more used to just maybe how it, how they see a movie where someone, you know, an artist makes a song for a movie and they're like, oh, that song was from this movie. Do you think that sometimes people don't fully recognize, like the general public, what goes into scoring because maybe it's just taken up by, you know, a big name artist that has that title song, but there's so much more music that people know they love, but they may not really realize you know how much it's a part of the film television or game yeah i think you're absolutely right i mean the reality is that songs mainstream songs which are used in film all the time and that's obviously now we're talking about marketing mm -hmm. um that's a whole other thing but i mean the reality is those songs are far more accessible to the general public it's on the radio it's something that could be on an album that you already own and it's something that for most people is what they listen to in the car and so on and so forth composition or, or the, 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 the scoring of the film score is, is a very abstract thing for most people. I, I really don't know if um, a, 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 the, um, a layman of the general public really would know what composition entails, what it actually means uh, to do that. And I've had that conversation many times. People ask, okay, well, how do you do that? How do you come up with something? And I don't know if there's really a straightforward answer to that. It just sort of appears, right? <laughs> or the, it's the sensibility when your fingers touch the keyboard and you're playing and you're pulling from all these different places that you know of, that you've learned over the years, that, you know, if you're trying to achieve a particular tone or timbre, you know, you're pulling these devices that you've learned and you're trying to come up with something and the sensibility that tells you, what you that you're onto something, that you can explore it further, that's a very abstract thing to explain. It's innate. I don't think you can learn that sensibility. It's built into you. But it's at the same time, it's very hard to explain. Like, how do I explain? Okay, I'm trying to do something that feels serene and suspended. Now I'm going to be working on that on the piano. I've come up with a melody and a set of chords or something that gives that feeling to me personally. But how I achieved it is relatively abstract. It's not something that I could easily explain. And I, I think for that reason and many others, the layman may not really grasp what composition entails and how it works or where it comes from. And I think when you're listening to to a soundtrack, um, a great soundtrack doesn't necessarily always translate to a CD or, or however you're going to listen to it. Sometimes um, a great soundtrack just works so well to picture and, and gives the heightened emotional pull um, to picture. And it just 
for whatever reason, it doesn't work on a CD, whether there's too many jumps or it's too short or too long or n not much is happening. Um, so I think there's some hurdles. Uh, I, I understand when people don't listen to soundtracks because um, sometimes it's, it's uh, it can be a little tough. I mean, you can always point them in the right direction. There's so many easy, palatable um, scores you could get into that it's like just candy horner and sylvestri and williams and i mean it, it's pretty easy but I, I i get it when when people don't my parents barely get it so <laughs> you know uh so with forza you had 90 piece orchestra uh, yes a long man i mean i've seen that of course like john williams and you see uh, uh various scores that are done and they have this orchestra and stuff can you tell us what's like just working with you know all that those instruments and all that and putting the music together using that yeah it's uh i mean it's always a privilege uh it really never gets old um walking into a great hall or you know studio room and having a bunch of people show up and just sit down and play your music. It's, uh, it's, it's a pretty wild experience every time we're, we're very fortunate to have been able to do it. Um, a lot of times. Um, so, you know, we, uh, um, it, it was decided very early on in Forza that we were going to have an orchestral score and we were going to work with a large group. Um, so, uh, writing in that style, basically to incorporate the orchestra was something that we did very, very early on because we knew it was going to be recorded live. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of preparation. I think it changes the way that you write. Um, you know, oftentimes if there's no live recording, you're working with samples, essentially samples don't necessarily behave as you wish they would. Um, so you're writing to the sample, so to speak. Uh, but you know, when you know you're gonna you're gonna record the live orchestra, then it changes the way that you approach the score. It changes the way that you write for the score. Um, and you know, it's it's important to have a, some knowledge and grasp, obviously, of um, how each in the in instrument's idiosyncratic uh, uh, approach should be in the writing. And um, you know, but at the end of the day, when you're up on stage and they, you know, they play the first note. They're just tuning up. It's uh, it's 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 an amazing thing to behold. Yeah. Is there, I guess, a themes that you look for, like especially in in Forza Six? Is there something that you know you guys look for overall, like a, a overall theme or overall sound, or is it just based on each different score that you're doing? You're like, okay, this is going to be for here. This is going to be for there. Or does it, it all blend together into like one flow? Um, we, uh, before we even, uh, really sat down to write, we knew we wanted to have, uh, themes. Uh, we really wanted to have a, a proper Forza Motorsport theme, which, uh, hadn't been done before in the franchise. So we really wanted to establish that. And then we also wanted to carry on various themes throughout the, um, the game. So there was a, a real sense of, uh, a continuity in the music. Um, and then as we started uh, working with uh, Turn 10 and Microsoft, uh, it was decided also we wanted to have a, a broader palette than some of the other games had had, which was a single direction. So that we uh, really tried to spread that out. Um, and that's where the themes were absolutely necessary to hold um, a cohesive score together. Because in you have some sort of industrial music happening um, in one race, in their next race, you may just have a pure orchestral. Um, and we didn't want it to feel like just a, a, 
a mishmash of tunes. We really wanted to feel like a score, and uh, I think having themes and, and the Forza theme really uh, helped pull that together. And also, I think there was a, a technical component, and that, and that is that you could revisit same area of the game and not hear the same music so it was really important for the music the the score as a whole to be cohesive because you could be playing the same track and pick the same car and never hear the same thing twice so we we didn't we didn't want it to be uh erratic and you know to feel disconnected or disjointed going from piece to piece to piece so really what they are are sort of variations on a core palette which was created um you know and the, the, the score as a whole is a very hybrid approach it's got a lot of electronic programmed instruments along with the orchestra so it's really just like you know we went a little bit left of center for this set of music and a little bit right of center for this set of music but on the whole they're all very much connected overall did you have um just a favorite i mean obviously that must be hard but when you put something together do you say wow this one or these couple are are the ones that really nail it for me or overall are you like hey i put it together as a whole the way i wanted to so i love each one you know equally <laughs> well i i'll give you a secret um the soundtrack the way we we got to sequence and, and master the soundtrack so really it started with uh, hey, pick your like three or four favorites. I'll pick my three or four favorites, and we'll shove it at the top of the soundtrack. <laughs> so that's for me. That's where you could find that on the the soundtrack. My favorites are kind of in the, that top ten on that. Yeah, I think there was a you know there's a couple pieces that um, I think for both of us were like really special um, that we really really like. I know I think we both really like the, the the main theme uh there's a couple of action pieces from the races that i think we both really really enjoy they just came out really cool especially once they were recorded live um but yeah i think on the whole um on the whole uh, i think we're, we're we're very pleased with the outcome of the whole thing you know we, we worked hard <laughs> so I have a question and this I I admit that this one's silly but I always think that you know gamers people who do video game stuff should be treated like the same celebrity status as you know actors and stuff like that now with all the work that you've done with the skills that you guys have do you ever try to use that like you know as as any celebrity like or even like if you're going out and you're like hey you know that that's that song you like that was me. <laughs> I mean, people get, need to get credit for this. I mean, out in the world, more than just the industry or people who really look and say, oh, they, they, it was composed by them. I mean, I want everyone to know. Have you guys ever done that before? No. No, <laughs> <laughs> no it's, it's kind of, I don't know about you, but it's, uh, we have young kids, so, like, it's kind of nice that our, when our kid acknowledges that, feels like, oh, my God, my dad made that. Or when the commercial comes on, or something that that's that's pretty cool. But that's kind of as deep as it usually goes. I mean, it, there's occasions that have come up where you know you run into people and they happen to know the game or project, and they happen to be a fan of the music, and you know they'll make mention of it, which is very nice, of course. I mean, you know, you're always holed up in the studio, got your face in your computer, working countless hours, and you know, then the music goes out into the world and. And, you know, if you ever get any feedback and someone pats you on the head and tells you did a, you did a good job, it's always welcome. 
but as far as like you know, um, I don't know, red carpet and paparazzi and stuff hasn't happened yet. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever had a moment where everything just was looked like it was going wrong? I mean, I understand that when in in composing music it may be a little bit different, like you said, since you're you're working kind of contained. But was there a moment where maybe you, even early on where you were working on something and you were just saying, man, this just isn't going right. Like I, 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 I'm not feeling it almost like writer's block. Yeah. I, yeah. I, think, I think that happens all the time. There's, there's multiple levels of things not going right that happen regularly. And the first <laughs> one is you get the project and you ask yourself, how the hell am I going to do this? Cause you feel like you've never written music before that happens with every project. That's the first step. The second is, yeah, I think you get really good at, when you started with an idea and it's terrible, you just know to catch it really soon. So you don't get knee deep in something that you think is sucks, basically. You know what yeah. I mean? There's also, we have a nice benefit that like we're in Kaveh's studio right now. Mine is about 10 feet that way. Oh, that nice. Way. Um, so, you know, if he's walking by and he's like, really? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what you're going with? Um, you know, it makes you feel second guess it or, you know, so um yeah we have fail safes built in basically yeah. that that save time uh, but yeah i mean to answer your question writer's block happens you know for everybody i think there's just some days you come here and you just sit in front of the screen and you're spinning your wheels for eight hours yeah. and you go home with nothing more than you know 12 facebook posts or something um so uh, but you know part of the process and part of the experience i think that comes over time is learning how to combat those moments and how to step away or how to find another source of inspiration or you know whatever it takes yeah um i don't i can't think of anything any time not in recent memory anywhere where something went catastrophically wrong that you would just say oh man everything just fell apart and there were problems like that you know knock on wood i'm gonna knock on some wood here um that hasn't happened in a very very long time no because really the worst case scenario um you just get to the point on a particular piece of music where you say, I'm going to put this aside and start something fresh um, because maybe there's too many hurdles to, to jump over on this, this one. It, it just didn't work. And um, you know, that's not the end of the world or the, or the client doesn't like it. I mean, yeah. that, yeah. that happens all the time. And I think that's, that's actually really part and parcel of the, the artist's journey is early on when you're young and you're starting out, when you write a piece that you like, you're holding on to it tight like it's your magnum opus like you're never going to write something that good again right um and in reality now you just don't have that luxury if someone says like we could think our version one was amazing and if the client thinks it's not guess what gas <laughs> you just throw it away <laughs> and you just keep going and um, sometimes you have to take the journey with the, the client yeah and go to version three, four, five, so that they come back to version one. Or 10 or 12 yeah. or whatever. You know, I mean, it just, it happens. It's, it's not uncommon for them to, for a client to be, for lack of a better description, stabbing around in the dark, trying to find what they want to hear. And sometimes, as Michael said, you just have to go down that rabbit hole with them until you find it. Now, obviously, you had great credits. I mean, I'm, I'm looking again at, at the things like, I mean, Jurassic World, Black Mass, San Andreas, Ant-Man, Fantastic Four, <laughs> Avengers Age of Ultron, I mean, Chappie, Guardians of the Galaxy, Hunger Games. I mean, obviously, at this point, there's, ta uh, there's jobs coming in. There's things that you're passionate about. 
are there points where sometimes you get a project or someone says, hey, would you like to do this? And you look at it and you're like, uh, no. <laughs> like, I'm not in, I mean, obviously you can't say any names, but I mean, that's, does that happen where you're just like, nah, this is just not something I think, because you've done a lot of stuff from different, you know, genres and stuff. So obviously multi-talented, but has there just been a project that you're just like, no? Yeah, again, it happens. Um, you know, we're, I think we're very blessed to be in a point in our careers where we can uh, turn something down. And it takes a long time to get there. Um, you know, starting out, you pretty much do everything and anything because it's an opportunity for the work. It's an opportunity to better yourself and and better your craft, learn some chops. It's, it's an opportunity to build relationships and so on and so forth. And not that those things don't have any merit or count today, because of course they do. But, you know, you gauge your time a little bit differently. Your interests are a little different. Obviously, there's a financial component. Um, you know, if a project just simply, you know, may not be working in that respect. Um, so I think for a different, a number of different reasons, you know, you, you have a little bit more luxury at this juncture in a career to maybe do a little bit more of what you really want to do. Do you get, yeah. uh, do you get close to at least on the gaming side? Cause I mean, I, with films, I guess it could be a little bit different or, or television shows, you know, you'll, you'll see it later and you're like, Oh, that's, that's really cool I, to see your work out there. Uh, with games, you can actually play it. Um, do you guys get into any games? Did you guys grow up with games themselves that, you know, you, you love the music to it and you said to yourself, okay, I'm going to do all this other stuff because I love it too, but games, it was brought to me from gaming or was it just, you know, another genre that you wanted to do? I think we, we like the first game we did, um, uh, Splinter Cell, mm -hmm. we were beyond excited because we were both, we had played it from Splinter Cell 1. Nice. Um, so that, and same with Forza, it's like, we're fans of the franchise. Um, and you know, for whether it's Mortal Kombat or, uh, Metal Gear or, you know, any go, go all the way back. I mean, we've been playing games on since, um, childhood. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's pretty exciting to, to work on games that are, great games and, and high profile but to to be a part of a game that comes out and pushes an envelope or is, it's just really a, I, i'm very happy to be in there absolutely um you know and i think there was there was a, a point in time where games took on a far more cinematic approach to their scores you know i, I don't think game music for a while was really a thing um until it evolved and I think it matured now in retrospect, we go back and we, you know, we enjoy older game music, like, you know, whatever it could be Tetris or, you know, Donkey Kong, whatever. And they'll do symphonic versions of it and this and that because they have so much charm for us today, early game music. Mm -hmm. But, at, you know, during the time of early game music, I just don't think it was a thing. You know, it's, it became a thing at some point. You look back and you look at, I think like the first big orchestral score was John Debney's score for Layer, or you know things like that that were sort of pivotal. Um, uh, I think ever since then the opportunities have grown, and there's been so much more game music, great great game music that's as good as anything out there to listen to, and um, you know it's allowed composers like us to cross genres and bring what we do in other areas and bring it over to you know to the game industries.
which by the way is an incredible industry to work in yeah i mean i was uh reading on on the release about how you did the did a special for the um league of legends world championships i mean who would ever thought i, I mean i've been in gaming forever but i never thought that i would see staple center you know packed full of people watching other people play a game at a high level i mean what, what was it like doing that not only from just putting together the uh, music for it but also just being there and saying wow all these people to watch these guys play league of legends well i didn't get to go yeah that's a, <laughs> that's a downside oh that sucks uh, yeah yeah no we it, we didn't get to go but um it was great nonetheless um i i had been playing uh league of legends for a couple of years uh before we got that so i was uh particularly uh tickled to be able to work on that um and it came out really great and then the fact that it was aired at staple center was kind of awesome it, it was a little surprising though like i personally didn't know that they did that that they have these world championships i had heard i think in south korea they have these sort of like video game athletic events in stadiums where people come and they play, uh, you know, Starcraft. Um, well, we got the battery thing going on. Um, so I'd heard about it over there, but I didn't know that we did it here at the Staples Center. So you know, we went in, or at least I went into the doing the music, sort of not really understanding what it meant um, until afterwards we were like, Oh my God, they'd sold out at Staples and, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's been streamed millions of times. And, um, you know, it was, a, it was a really big deal. It was, it was pretty interesting to see what a following it has. And the animation cut that they did, they put together was really cool. That's right. It was a whole anime style thing. They brought in these, you know, these top guys in anime to do the, where they, they do the animation, the anime eyes, all of the the top players that were playing in the championship and oh, kind of nice. gave them the powers of the League of Legends guys and uh, it was very cool. Yeah, it was cool. Have you ever had like a celebrity or anybody come to you uh, or send you a message or something and say, "Wow, that was great what you did on X"? I haven't, but every uh, E3 that we have a big game at, um, Steven Spielberg has happened to seems to be a fan of that franchise. Mm-hmm. And so there's always a video of Steven Spielberg at E3, and he get, seems to go every year. So I got to see Steven Spielberg play Forza, and then you know our music comes on. I got to see him with uh, with Splinter Cell, Forza, and yeah. you know the music comes on. So hey, you know that's that's close, pretty good. Awesome. <laughs> so the Forza Motorsports Six soundtrack is available now. Um, what you what are you guys working on next? If if you can tell us. Uh, we're actually back on board with Microsoft. I just can't talk about what we're doing. Okay. Um, but there's a couple of uh, great things coming. Um, There'll be something, I think, dropping in the next like month and a half or so. Yeah, I would look out uh, yeah. what's coming. And then, uh, yeah, we're, I mean, there's discussions um, for some other game projects. Again, everything is uh, unfortunately not something we could talk about at this time uh, but we have we, we do a lot of work in the movie advertising world so we've got uh we've got a lot of new music it's all going to be live orchestra and stuff coming out and i'm sure you'll see it in campaigns all over the place uh so you know we, we always got our hands full doing something cool if people want to keep a track of, of what you guys are doing is there a place where they can go to follow you guys yeah we have uh personal websites michael's is uh michaelnielsenmusic.com and mine is kavecohen.com 
and uh, we both have Facebook. We both have Twitter. Again, just our names. And um, nin- there's also ninjatracks.com, which is our company that um, handles the, the movie trailers. Um, there's a Ninja Tracks Facebook page. Yeah. So, yeah, we're, we're around. We're around. <laughs> Awesome. So we'll be sure to put that up on on the YouTube video as well and on our website so people can check that out. But uh, Kave, Michael, thanks for coming on and talking with us today. Thanks for thanks having so us. much, Jay. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Thank you.